ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. The Murray Cod is the apex predator of the Murray River. They're at the top of the food pyramid and the health of the Murray Cod affects and influences the entire food web beneath them. It's the biggest freshwater fish in Australia. It's the most prized angling fish we have and it's being served in some of the best restaurants, not just in Australia, but around the world. But we've just experienced extreme floods and we've witnessed Murray cods suffocating en masse due to a condition known as hypoxy blackwater. Now, this is a consequence of flooding and something that unfortunately is expected to worsen as the weather warms up. So how will the impact and how will this impact the health of this iconic fish when it affects every aspect of the Murray River system? Do you live along the Murray? Do you go fishing there? Do you eat Murray cod? And why is this fish so important? And how is it that we possibly know so little about it? Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Ed Gannon, Director of Media Means and the former editor of The Weekly Times. And the Murray cod, once you start to research it, you realise how important it is, yet I don't know a lot about it and I had no idea that it was right at the top of the food pyramid system and that it's being served all around the world. Have you ever caught, eaten, spent time (laughs) with the Murray Cod? Well, morning, Michelle. Look, the key thing you said there was that when you had to research it because I, I had to research it as well. Look, in my role at the Weekly Times, I would have read the fishing, proofread the fishing column for a good part of 20 years. And so I could tell you when the when the Murray Cod were on and when they were biting and when they were catching and whatnot. But then when I stopped and thought about when this topic came up, I thought, I just don't really know a great deal mm. about the Murray Cod, which is real. As you say, it is this iconic fish. We all know the name. We know that they're big fish, but we don't know a great deal about them. You know, and I think that there's, particularly those people who live along the Murray, the people who live in northern Victoria and in southern New South Wales, they're, they're, it, it, it probably is quite an iconic thing in their world and culturally it's important. But when you live on the southern side of the yeah. Great Divide, you probably don't know much about them. So it's a really, it's, it's actually quite a mystery for this really iconic fish. When we had the flooding that we've just lived through, and of course many people are still living through and so many people aren't in their homes as we speak, but some of the images of the Murray Cod on the banks of the Murray, literally suffocating. It was so distressing for people to witness, to walk past, to see. We're going to speak to people today that tried to save them, that literally were wading through the Murray, picking them up one by one, transporting them to other fresh water, and are now trying to re-release them back in to the river system. But to see what they've been through and to learn about Blackwater and what happens, and then to know that potentially it could worsen as the weather gets warmer and we know we're coming into a warm summer. Yeah, and, and as you say, Blackwater's not solely a, a flooding problem. It's very much a, a, a drought problem because water pools in rivers, particularly along the Darling River, they had mm. huge huge amounts of um, Blackwater events there and it pools and so the, the water just has no oxygen in it. Fish get trapped in them and they just can't survive. And so you saw those scenes 
along through that that whole drought that we came, we've only just sort of really recently came out of. Mm. We we saw a lot of those events. Then we get to floods, and you see them again, and you see, well, you know, where's the where's the happy medium in all of this? And you know, we, we're looking at the weather at the moment. Yeah, it, it it's, it's twenty one tomorrow in parts of Gippsland. Yeah, I'm I'm heading to Gippsland today, and and it's going to be twenty one there tomorrow. This is August the third tomorrow. We've still got a month to go of winter. And as we'll learn today, the, the importance of this one particular fish, it's right at the top of the pyramid. So if it's health, if anything happens to this particular fish, it affects the entire ecosystem of the Murray River. So do you live along the Murray? Do you go fishing there? Do you eat Murray cod? And do you know much about it? Paul's in Gisborne. He says the mighty cod has an important for the European carp. We need to rid our waterways of this horrible, disgusting animal so our beautiful native fish can thrive. The positive is that most fishermen respect this animal and practice and catch release. That's Paul from Gisborne. So you can't just go out and try and catch a Murray cod whenever you want, can you, Ed? No, you can't. And there's a closed season which actually starts at the end of this month and goes to the 1st of December. That's the breeding season. And there's, there's certain rules about what you can do. And I mean, there's more experts in this than me, but there's certain rules of, of how many you can catch, a certain amount of sizes, and, and what you can take. So there, there are restrictions around it. Um, Given that you used to proofread the, the fishing column in the Weekly Times for, you know, 20 odd years, what a barrel of laughs that must have been. But I could imagine that you'd need to know what you're doing to catch Murray Cod. Like, it's a big fish, so you're going to need all of the equipment and possibly some fairly good biceps in order to, to fish. Yeah, you'd have to be, you have to be serious about it. Yeah. And if you snag one and you didn't mean to snag one, I suspect you're probably going to be in trouble because they, they, they are huge. I mean, they can grow to you know 1.8 meters long you're talking about six foot in the old measure and they're huge fish and they're such big barreled fish that, that you can't if you get if you did get hold of one you you would do need the right equipment so you do need probably to be going searching for them this is the conversation hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Ed Gannon is your co-host this morning, Director of Media Means and the former editor of the Weekly Times. Have you eaten carp? Have you eaten... Uh, sorry, carp. Have you eaten Murray cod? Carp is something that Murray cod are not friends with, and that's another conversation, Ed. Don't get me started on carp. It's being rebranded, did you know, in the States to be called something else so that people will eat it. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how that would go here. No, I don't think it would work well here at all. But Murray Cod is different and it's being served in some of the finest restaurants in Australia and around the globe. But what do we know and understand? Paul Humphreys is an Associate Professor in Ecology with Charles Sturt University and he's the author of The Life and Times of the Murray Cod. Paul, welcome to the Conversation Hour. You obviously know and love Murray Cod so much that you've written a book about it. Why are they so important? Well, Rochelle, they're, they're one of the most popular recreational fishing species in Australia um, and they're abundant right throughout the Murray Darling Basin um, and before Europeans were here, they were a really important fish for Aboriginal peoples as well. So they've got a really important cultural, spiritual, recreational, gastronomic um, significance for every, pretty much everybody in Australia. You've referred to them as the lions and tigers of the river. What do you mean by that? Well, as you pointed out to the floor, they're really at the top of the food chain. Um, they're, they're, they're top order predators, so they'll eat fish, um, crayfish, um, other crustaceans and mussels, freshwater mussels. So they're eating 
right up the top and not much once they get big enough can actually get them can yeah. eat them and so therefore their um their role in the food webs is is a major structural role so they're they're actually influencing all the different levels below them just like lions and tigers are um, those high level predators do so in fact if you maintain uh, numbers of those high-level predators, uh, you can actually uh, increase the biodiversity of a, a, a system from fish down to, to, to algae. That's what they can do. So, Paul, have we got any a handle on the numbers of Murray cod in Australia? Well, look, that's like how, how long's a piece of string. I mean, uh, numbers of fish fluctuate from one year to the next, um, from one river to the next. Of uh, one season to the next, Murray cod um, are in the different jurisdictions that, that um, the ACT and and uh, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia have different ways and and of assessing the stocks, um, and the stock is is sort of the, the the size of the breeding populations we've got, and all the jurisdictions except um, Victoria are really we're really uncertain about how many fish are in there. And one of the reasons we're really uncertain is because there are so many fish that are stocked every year by the various agencies, the government agencies, into the rivers, um, that fingerlings to uh, primarily for uh, fishers to come along and catch them mm. later on. So we're really not, we don't have a good handle, but there certainly seems to be more fish than there were a few decades ago, but there are certainly far fewer fish than there was like 200 years ago. Some of our guests a little later who have been restocking them and also been trying to rehome them back into the river after the floods might know. Paul, stay with us because Judy's in Nathalia. Morning, Judy. Hello. What did you want to say? Uh, I'm just really disgusted at what has happened to the Murray cod. It's an iconic fish that has been... Well, um, I've lived on the Murray for five generations of my family have, four generations. And uh, the Murray cod used to be fished to near extinction. And that is what has happened to it because it is endangered. Yet, and now they have to get fingerlings to put in the water so pe people can fish them again. Every problem in this country to do with land management, native plants and fish and animals is man-made. And when is man going to stand up and take take the fault for it? So That's what I'd like to know. They just, they, just, they just wreck the joint and then it's okay. They just go on to wreck something else. So, Paul, to, to Judy's point, if you didn't have the fingerlings coming into the system, would there be a, a case for the extinction or at risk? Or I mean, you say that you have trouble with working out the numbers but if you know as as an expert do you think that they're under threat well look until fairly recently they were classified by the united nations as critically endangered uh, murray cod itself and back in the mid 90s when there was a survey done of new south wales by new south wales fisheries um they they actually did um uh, proper rigorous sort of uh, random sampling of fish within the Murray itself and didn't pick up one Murray cod, which was a real wake-up call. Now, that's not to say there weren't Murray cod in the river, but when they did a sort of scientifically well-designed study, they didn't find any Murray cod in the Murray itself. So people were really concerned, and I think that precipitated a lot of work. Um, coming back to your stocking point, if, there were, if they weren't stocked, in many ways, my philosophy is that stocking can can be useful in particular circumstances, but it does mask mask the problem that we've mm. got. 
uh, and therefore you can go out and catch fish. But would there be fish um, in the numbers there if they weren't stocked? Probably not, almost certainly not. Wow. And maybe it would be more of a um, a lesson to us about what we are doing to a river. So your caller is So Judy is absolutely correct. right. Absolutely. She's, she's right. Um, in and, and we have caused a lot of problems. But some of our problems we've caused are legacies of commercial fishing and uh, gold mining and lots of stuff from, you know, mid-1800s. So we're talking about a long time since since things have been a problem, and it's and we have to be patient in our some of our um, rehabilitation efforts because it will take a long time to, for them to recover as well. Alan has sent this message and it says, "I grew up in Achuca, Murray cod today are nothing like they once were. In modern records, the biggest recorded Murray cod was 1.8 meters long and weighed 113 kilos. First Nation memories and fossil records suggest they were once much larger than that." I mean, have they changed in size over the years, Paul? Um, so, so the the, the one hundred thirteen point five kilograms is is um, about two hundred fifty pounds in the old uh, in old weight, um, and that's I think uh, a myth. Um, I've I've investigated that uh, record, and I uh, haven't found any evidence that was actually true. That um, the biggest one I've found to verify was eighty six kilograms, which is a Bloody big that's, fish! Don't get me wrong. That's, heavy, yeah, I mean, that's, that's heavier that's, than that's my me. weight. <laughs> yeah, and one point eight meters, as you said before, so it's almost six foot. They're big fish. Uh, um, maybe they did get bigger. Hang on, times, how big? How long? Did, how long did you say it was? One point eight meters. Wow, that's big. So, yeah. So I look. I don't know whether they would have got much bigger than that. That the potentially they could have done, um, but. I mean that's that's big enough as it is. I, I don't know why you need to get to go beyond that. And I uh, I think that's um, uh, it starts to get into myth mythological sort of status once you start to go beyond those sizes. I mean we're talking about the biggest fish freshwater fish in Australia. It gets reaches larger sizes than barramundi. And um, in terms of whether they've changed, uh, certainly back in the past, uh, routinely because there was a commercial fishery for these fish they were they were catching very large numbers of very big fish but that was quickly depleted over only a very few decades um and it recovered at times because of things like first world war and second world war when 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 not many people were fishing them um but certainly we don't see the numbers of fish and the sizes of fish routinely that they did see in the past so it's certainly been a major change over time so, Paul, if you're fishing at the moment, what's the average size of Murray cod that you'd expect to catch in the Murray, for instance? Well, in the river itself, um, you you may be catching a like a uh, a five, six, seven hundred millimetre fish, so 50, 60, 77 and 80 centimetre fish, but there is a, a, a slot limit between 550 and 750. We're not, you're not supposed to take them there. It's illegal to take them. So before, below 550 and over 750 millimetres. So they're, they're, they're routinely taken. I mean, it's not difficult, if you know what you're doing, although I'm not a fish, fisherman, to go out and catch a, a reasonable size cod, but it'd be pretty rare that mm. you would catch one over, over a metre nowadays. So if they're not looked after and if they're not protected well and if they are in the position that they are in the, in the chain of events at the ecosystem of the Murray River, what then happens? How will it affect other fish, other species, other habitat? Yeah, so look, coming back to this lion and tiger sort of analogy, um, they've been 
uh, they were originally overfished commercially uh, enormously and with dispossession of Aboriginal peoples from their lands and their role because they were very uh, very um, popular for, for them, um, you know, catching a big fish like that would feed a group of people for a long time. Um, that would have changed the river system, the ecology of the river system in ways that we are only sort of beginning to ask questions about now because of their influence on the food webs. I mean, that they also have had influence mm. on other aspects of the river system as well. The problem is that we, we didn't have the surveys and the scientific knowledge to really understand what was happening while things were changing. Because on top of the fishing, there was uh, river regulation, locks going in, uh, de-snagging of the rivers, cold water pollution, um, you know, all sorts of things happening at the same time. And about the 1950s, um, the numbers of fish seemed to decline to a point where they didn't really recover after that. And it was at the same time that the real storage um, uh, and river regulation, the, so the amount of storage in the Maritime Basin system and river regulation really took off in a big way. More dams were being built. So the problem is we've got insults and injuries happening one upon another mm. and Murray Cotter stuck in the middle of the whole thing. Starting to see why you wrote the book, The Life and Times of the Murray Cod. Paul Humphreys, it's been fascinating to get your insights. Thank you so much. It's a really important conversation. Paul Humphreys, Associate Professor in Ecology with Charles Sturt University. This message, my dad caught a Murray Cod. It was six foot long. It was in 1968, says Rob in Ballarat. And Mitch is in Mitcham. That's great to say. As a fisherman and a lover of the Murray Cod, I cannot believe these fish are not a protected species. I have never kept any of the Murray Cod I've caught for eating. These fish are the history and they should be the future of our rivers forever. Unfortunately, every generation feels like they have the rights to do what they please. And there is a combination. A lot of the fish that we're talking about, the Murray Cod that's being eaten in restaurants uh, are farmed and uh, separately they're not actually out of the, the river themselves. So there's a lot of farming of Murray cod as well. Just going back to something that Paul said when we spoke about the, the Murray Darling and we did invite the Murray Darling Basin Authority to be a part of today's program but they declined. We know now and they've said that they won't make its environmental water recovery targets. How does that, Ed, affect something like the future of an iconic fish like the Murray cod? <coughs> the Murray cod is one part of a huge picture in the in the Murray Darling Basin, and the the Murray Darling Basin Authority runs the Murray Basin Plan, which has been around for eleven years, and they're trying to recover two thousand seven hundred and fifty gigalitres of water a year, plus another four hundred and fifty. And now they're miles short, <clears throat> as you say. <clears throat> they won't they won't make it. Mm. It had an extension next year, and it's there's so many things. There's communities. There's um, trees. There's habitat. And the fish is part of it, but you don't actually really hear much about the fish because they get they get put into this category of the environment, and that's it. So it's really important to talk about the fish and particularly the Murray cod of how it eats because it, it it's going to have a huge impact on on what's happening. As we've learned, that's right. It's not just the fish itself; it's everything below it and habitat included. Jesse's in Seymour. Good morning, Jesse. Good day. How are you going? Good, mate. What do you want to say? Well, uh, look, I've grown up in Seymour most of my life, um, which is right on the sort of where the Goulburn River turns north and then heads towards the Murray. Uh, so we've always, like, it's a fishing town, basically, as far as all the locals are concerned. There's two things that the, the local blokes do, which is fishing and footy, really. Um, my grandfather, though, he used to own the local 
quarry there. Uh, and one of part of that was dredging the river uh, to remove all the hazards as they saw them back in the day. Uh, up until I believe the 90s, um, removing all the logs and all those kinds of things, all these fish habitats, um, which of course made a, a detrimental impact on all the fish in the, the area. There was a point there where you pretty much only catch carp, maybe redfin, um, and well, that was about it. Occasionally you'd hear about people catching these things. I got photos of, I've, I've got friends with photos of their dads catching those 1.8 metre monstrosities back in the <laughs> 80s and things like that. You know, they had the paper. Um, but since all that has stopped, since now they leave all the logs in the river, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about the Murray. I'm sure that's a very different story. Uh, with all the boat traffic that they have there. But since the Goulburn River um, has had all the logs left in it and those kinds of things, the, and the finglings going into Lake Yildon, the numbers of fish in the river, the numbers of big cod that people are pulling out have just increased massively. I've, I've got friends that are pulling out fish that are too big to keep quite regularly. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the pinnacle for the locals. You, you want to try and catch these things that you put back because, you know. And keep it, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the fact too, Jesse, that you're talking about that dredging of the Murray didn't stop, Ed, and to what Jesse was saying until the 90s as well. So that's not that long. I feel no. like the 90s is only yesterday. <laughs> yeah, look, the, the, the way the rivers are run, I mean, it, it, back in that 70s, 80s period is so different to what it is now because they didn't, there was a realisation at that point. I mean, we talk about the Murray-Dayson plan and how it's a bit of a bit of a mess and whatever, but also on another level, there's been a huge improvement in the way that rivers are run. And that, that what Jesse's example is, is a real good example of the sorts of things that they do. Mm-hmm. They just don't go in there and just pull everything out and do it anymore. They actually are looked after. You know, and, and Jesse doesn't sound like a, a, a very old bloke. Yeah. So for him to recognise that and to it. think that sees that, well, it's really important because, you know, as he said, he's, he's made to a fish in all football, so they actually see the importance of, of fishing and if they, there's no fish there, they're not going to fish. So that's really important for that And to generation. understand your role, if you do fish uh, recreationally, your the impact that you have, but it can be done well and it's a wonderful activity. You know, we talk a lot about trying to get people to connect with the outdoors, to have respect for the land, to understand the environment in which they live in. And for a a lot of the fishermen and women that I speak to, they are huge lovers of the land. Not all. You know, we know like with every yeah, thing, there's, there's always going to be people that don't treat it properly. Always rogues. That's it. Rick's in Baldwin and he says, in 1954, I had a school holiday at my uncle's citrus farm in Cobram. The Murray was in flood and it was up to the farmhouse. So he took me fishing in a Holden powered plywood speedboat. Once we got to the river proper, he dangled a twine fishing line from the moving boat. The lure was just a bunch of white crook feathers tied to a handmade propeller fashioned from an old jam tin. Within 10 minutes of trolling, bingo, we landed a massive three feet long old man, he says in inverted commas, the Murray Cod. Weighed up to 45 pounds, which is 20 kilos. Uncle Joe sold it at the pub for 10 quid. (laughs) But I still feel really sad for this beautiful fish. That's from Rick. Old man, is that their nickname? Yeah, you do hear that expression a lot, the old man Murray Cod. Yeah, really? That's, that, that's something that's, that's used, and you'd probably hear it more if you lived along the Murray in that part of the world is, is reference to old man, and it, it has that very historical 
cultural connotation that it has. So do you have a connection, a history? Maybe you live along the Murray, maybe you spent holidays there and went fishing there. How much do you know about the Murray Cod and its importance to the Murray River system? This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Ed Gannon, Director of Media Means, the former editor of The Weekly Times. We're talking about the Murray Cod and I feel at first I was like, I wonder how much we're going to learn about this and it feels like a really important conversation actually. This is not just about fish, this is about the ecology of that entire river system and it is so important to so many communities along the river. But this is fascinating, This is Mitch has sent back another message and it says... There are numerous restaurants in Melbourne that have Murray cod in the windows for patrons to choose to eat. How the hell is this even possible? Is that sort of like choosing a, a cray or something? I'd have never heard of that, Ed. Well, I presume it's been the farmed Murray cod. Um, and as I say, that actually is quite... I, I can't recall ever eating Murray cod myself. I can't remember seeing it on a, on a menu. But I, I know that it is a fish that you can eat, but it has, yeah. to be, it has to be regulated and come from somewhere. Well, we'll speak to Stefano Depieri a little later in the program, but a lot of restaurants are using it because it kind of holds its texture really well. It's like tuna. It can sit on a plate well and can be cooked well. Phil's in Quambatook. Morning, Phil. Oh, hi, Rochelle. How are you? Well, um, what did you want to say? Oh, well, because, you know, the closed season um, is very important, I understand, but, um, but the thing is, hang on, sorry, I've got a bit of... Um, it is very important, but the, the problem is that uh, we are uh, catching cod still and releasing them. But this research evidence, I understand, it says that when you uh, rele- when you catch a cod and release it, it doesn't go back to its eggs. It actually, it's actually a distressed fish. So you know, I believe we should be actually closing the whole fishing season in significant cod habitat, particularly places like the ovens. Uh, in the Murray area there up in in the northeast. Um, yeah, it's just okay, a, let's try I'll and find that out. I, I'm not sure. Phil, thank you. Travis Dowling may know him. He's the CEO of the Victorian Fisheries Authority. He's in Mildura at the moment. I guess our first question is to Phil. If you do catch and release, Travis, does that fish or does that Murray cod then not go back to to its eggs, for example? Does it sort of get disorientated? Well, good morning, Rochelle and Ed. And I, look, I'll just say, I'm going to get to Phil's question, but there's a really great story to tell about Murray Cod in Victoria. And uh, and I really want to quickly talk about that. But yeah. coming back to Phil's question, well, I've got to say the data that we are seeing and the recovery of Murray Cod we are seeing in Victoria would suggest that the bag limit, the size limit, the closed season, the restrictions on gear, and the incredible stocking program and habitat restoration work that's occurring on the ovens, the Loddon, the Compasby, the Goblin, all of those things are contributing to having Murray Cod in Victoria in the best shape they've been in in 50 years and re- heading back towards taking them off the endangered list and the and the threatened list. And that is a wonderful thing. And I've caught a lot of Murray Cod and I've inadvertently caught cod as well during the closed season when fishing for yellow belly. And, you know, those cod, they what we do know is that um, if they're released carefully and they're released quickly, they will return and they will continue to breed. But it, look, there's a lot of optimism about Murray Cod in uh, in Victoria and throughout the basin. And as you said, I'm up at Mildura at the moment. And look, you know, the Lindsay Mullaroo system, which is just north and west of Mildura, it, it is one of the, it's almost like the, um, how will we describe it? Where was that place where all the dinosaurs were that, uh, you know, <laughs> 
you know, you'd fly into a helicopter. It's like it, it's this like land that's times forgotten, and it's still full of Murray cod. So, lots of room for optimism for cod in Victoria, and I think across the basin. Travis, when you talk about Victoria, is the Murray River in Victoria? Do you include that as in your figures mm. when you say that the health of the Murray cod in Victoria? Well, I mean, we we don't consider ourselves, you know, acting independently to the rest of the basin, and. So whilst the Murray is classified as New South Wales waters, places like the Gunbower Creek, the Little Murray, the Lindsay Mullaroo system, these are all outer branches that come off the Murray that we stock uh, with Murray cod. And we put on average 3 million Murray cod a year back into these waters and we stock about 10 million fish a year, which is just about as much as every other state in Australia combined. And I'd just it'd be really interesting for your listeners, going back, there was a lot of talk about it, we, we know we need to improve habitat, we need to improve river flows, we need to do more stocking. Um, and there was a lot of debate about which one was the best one. But what we've done is we've worked with people at DECA and Arthur Ryler Institute, the catchment management authorities and the water managers, and we've got all of the, all of the irons in the fire now. Mm. And what we've seen, and you talk to any fisher, they will tell you that Murray cod fishing in the ovens, the Loddon, the Goulburn, the Compaspe, is better than they've seen in generations, and that is a really positive thing. A lot of people, Travis, though, already are callers and texts are saying that they believe that we shouldn't be allowed to fish for Murray cod and maybe we wouldn't have to restock it if we were just to leave them be. Would that ever be something that would be considered, that there would be a ban on fishing Murray cod? No, I don't think so, and I, and I think it's really uh, fortunate that um, we are at a, a management place in Victoria where we have a recovering population that is moving away from being threatened to being abundant. And if you look at some of these waterways, now the most abundant species. I'll just give you one a- anecdote by a bloke by the name of Robbie Alexander. He's a fishing identity at Wangaratta. He said growing up in the 80s, he would go down to his sandbar in the middle of town in the Ovens River, he'd throw in a worm or a yabby. He would catch carp after carp. And he said the kids around Wangaratta now, they go down there, they catch four or five Murray cod in an afternoon and they're disappointed they haven't caught ten. But just that change in the abundance of Murray cod, their battle against carp, and we look at biomass surveys where cod were less than 10% of the population in a river stretch and they're now 60 to 70% of the total biomass in that river stretch in in the Goulburn and the ovens of the Loddon. So that, I mean, what we're doing is working and... Look, a lot of people, I don't, I don't eat Murray cod myself. I throw them back. But we absolutely respect the right of people, whether they're First Nations people, whether they're recreational fishers, with an abundant fishery. Um, they're full of omega-3. They're very healthy. To take a fish to eat, because we know that our population is in really good shape and, and booming across Victoria. So, Travis, the issue of carp, I'm, I'm really interested in that. The, the the they're a real curse for all the water systems. Are you saying that 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 the, the, you're sort of like getting on top of the carp problem a bit because the 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 Murray cod are getting prevalent and sort of forcing them out, or are we still got a real problem with mm. carp? Well, we absolutely were, and yes, we still do have a real problem with carp. And the floods in the last couple of years has seen explosion in carp numbers again. And you know, the, some of the imagery we've seen um, coming through the fish ladders on locks across the Murray River is tonnes of carp a day moving through those ladders. Uh, and so what we do know is that carp, people believe historically that carp will only predate on soft things like worms or vegetation on the side, but we've got a lot of evidence now, particularly codfishes that are catching them on lures, they will predate on small native fish. They'll, they'll, so we've seen explosion in numbers and we're working with the Commonwealth Government and others on measures to reduce carp 
but we we thought we had them beaten really uh, up until about three the to floods. Four years. Yeah. Yeah, but the last couple of years, they've, they've just gone absolutely gangbusters again. Travis, good to speak with you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And, uh, good luck. Murray Cod, great topic. <laughs> I know, you're slightly biased, though. Travis Dowling's the CEO of the Victorian Fishers, a fishing authority is currently in Mildura. Tom's in the Barmer Forest. Morning, Tom. Yeah, g'day there. Look, I live up here in the Barmer Forest and let me say, we have got some of the biggest cod you've ever seen. Like, there's this one cod up here, when he jumps out of the water, the river drops 10 feet. You've got to go up, you've got to go up the Lake Mulwala to turn around there, that big. <laughs> you've and, made as day, I reckon, Tom. <laughs> and let me say, you know how you measure them from your tip of the nose to the tip of the tail? Up here, we measure them between the eyes. <laughs> I reckon Tom would be one of those blokes that you get into a corner with at a party and would have a story to tell. Pete's in Ballarat. Good morning, Pete. Yeah, hey, Rochelle. How are you going? Good. What did you want to say? I, I grew up in Redcliffe, just outside of Mildura, and we used to go fishing fairly frequently on the Murray, and we'd invariably catch cod and take them home and eat them, and it's, it's been an interesting journey to watch from there to now. We, we have a business in Ballarat, and just the other day we were offered some Murray cod row as a... Um, as a condiment that, that one of our suppliers is now selling. Clearly, it's from farmed cod, but it's um, it's, it's a long way from when I was a... Wow. So, not, so at your pub, Pete, do you, do you serve Murray cod as a, as a fish, as a protein, as well as the roe? Uh, no, we don't. Um, we... Uh, we, we, well, our, our pub is focused on 100% Victorian produce, and this this fits into that. But we haven't gone down the, the route of, of farm cod. Our menu changes weekly. So, um, but what I about tell us about a, the row? What does it look like? What does it taste like? Um, it looks it, it kind of looks like a finger lime row. It's it's um, it's not as salty as like a salmon row, but it's um, it is much smaller, but um, really delicious. So we're we're just looking forward to working out how we can use it. And are people keen to eat it? Have you put it on your menu yet? Uh, no, we haven't. But um, it's only it was only late last week that we got informed by one of our suppliers that they haven't. So um, it's just something we're waiting to to be able to utilise in our in a menu in the next week or two. Wow! Well, there you go, Pete. Thank you. And not only serving Murray cod in some restaurants, but now Murray cod roe. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that'd be um, a too prevalent product. Yet, as you said, it only just come on the menu. But um, you know, it's interesting. One, you you look at Murray cod, you don't see it on the menu. Now you get to the point of having Murray Cod Row. Look, you know, are we going to see in the next five, ten years Murray Cod becoming quite a thing on menus in not just fine dining, but just mm. in, in pubs in general? So many messages on this. Taking ducks off the top of the river is also a favourite food for the cod. If it fits in its mouth, they will eat it. Have you heard of Murray Cod eating ducks? It must be that big one before. That, uh, <laughs> you must eat all the ducks. <laughs> But it's going to have to hold, no doubt. Don't forget about the native cousin, the trout cod. It almost looks identical to the Murray cod. It wasn't until recently that it was identified as a separate species. That's Paul from Gisborne. Did you read that when you were editing your uh, fishing column at the Weekly Times? Uh, no, I have heard of the trout cod, and I have heard that they're similar, but um, it doesn't raise its head very often. It, it never did. And I think that's because of why, because everyone thought they were the Murray cod. Cause I just can't believe yeah. how big they can be and some of the texts that are coming through as well and you know selling them down at the pub 40 50 years ago and the, the tales are still being told if you live along the murray maybe you holiday there or go fishing there your stories of the murray cod and what do we really know and understand about this iconic fish this is the conversation hour 
on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt and Ed Gannon with you. We are talking about the health and the future of the Murray Cod. Craig Copeland is the CEO of Ozfish. And Craig, not only did Ozfish do some incredible work trying to get Murray Cod and other native species out of the river system during the floods, and I think you're still rehoming some of them, you've also been constructing some fake snags in the river for cod habitat. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, real ones and fake ones. So the um, the real ones are better. <laughs> um, and when we get them, we can uh, put them back in the water. But they're the fake ones are just essentially what we call fish uh, hotels. They're <laughs> essentially uh, uh, constructed, you know, log areas uh, for, for fish to um, uh, basically live their lives in. So, um, uh, so, you know, breed in and go out to feed from and... So we, you know, we just got to put more of these back in the water. So, Craig, the the, the, the um, rescuing of fish, uh, the Murray cod. How do you go when it's the opposite when it's drought? When there's these tiny little pools of water and, and fish mm. caught up, is it the same sort of? Are you able to do anything at that time, or is that is that? Yeah, well, we difficult? did we did the same thing. So during the drought, uh, our, our uh, chapter members just got busy and went out to the last pools that were left, and the water quality was going you know, downhill and. Essentially, we either you know, took them out of those um, those you know, drying out pool, the pools that we knew were going to dry out, and, and moved them to uh, locations that we, we we thought were going to you know, last the, the drought, which is we did that, and we also then uh, picked them up and, and gave them to uh, the government agency for for securing and for so they could use them for breeding. So um, yeah, we, and the, the guys were in really filthy hot you know, stinking water and just, you know, rescuing what they could. The work that your team did during the floods as well, talking about that sort of hot, filthy water and literally picking up fish and trying to get them into some kind of clean water, rehoming them and then trying to release them back into the river system. How has that gone? Where are you at with that? Did did most survive, get re-released? Yeah, it's all been done. Um, mm. So it's a, it's a great relationship we had um, with the New South Wales government and the Victorian government. Um, we, we essentially, whatever we, we took um, was then located in either uh, uh, research centres from the government or uh, from a, some private hatcheries. Um, and then they've all been uh, basically rehomed, uh, so put back in the river. Um, most of them got um, uh, you know, put back where they come from. Some of them, uh, particularly for the Murray crayfish that were rescued, um, there, there was actually a request came from the South Australians, uh, some groups down there, the Nature Gnell Trust and the, and the South Australian government, you know, wanted to put you know uh, Murray crays back in because they'd gone extinct in South Australia. So some of the some of the crayfish went back there, but um, yeah, they, most of them went back into where they, where they got them from, and uh, just it was a fantastic effort. People like you know everyone was affected by the flood, mm. but they still got in and, and did their bit to you know look after the fish, which we were very thankful for. Just finally, Craig, unfortunately, the warm weather that's coming is also really bad for for black water, which is one of the things that will suffocate fish, and this is why. We we saw the, the images of many of our native fish, including the Murray cod, on the banks of the river sort of gasping for air. It's just horrific to witness. Are you worried about the summer that's coming? Uh, I think I'm worried about every summer that's coming from yeah. now on. I, don't, I, think, uh, I think climate change uh, is going to be a bigger issue than people uh, have even you know, contemplated. And so actually part of the reason I'm, I'm just coming out of a conference at the moment where the, 
nearly all of the irrigation industries in the basin uh, and Ausfish and, and government agencies are getting together to try and, uh, as part of this One Basin Cooperative Research Centre, to f- try and figure out how we can actually grow our agriculture um, and look after our rivers at the same time. So th- that's a challenge in front of us, and yes, I am concerned. Well, you and your team do incredible work, so thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. Craig Copeland, the CEO of Ausfish. I think. You know, speaking to Craig and his team during the floods and when we talk about recovery effort being such an all-community, it's just needed. Everyone is needed from so many different aspects. And they were, as he said, Ed, they were literally wading through just stink and, and black water and picking these fish up with their hands. It's incredible, isn't Which it? Which shows the dedication that people have to these sorts of things. You know the lo- yeah. the love of the fish, and, and you talked about Murray Craze before. There's another whole another conversation. You get a lot of callers about Murray Craze, but that that whole dedication to helping out, and and the fact that they have to, the fact that we have these floods, and then we have these droughts. It's just it's just yeah. very topsy turvy. Hugh says I've even heard of Murray cod eating baby platypus. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one either. Anyway, this is what Hugh's saying, not us. But from eating Murray Cod to eating the roe as well, and we've already been to Mildura once this morning. Once is not enough. Let's head back to Mildura. Stefano Depieri, of course, local cook, local icon. Murray Cod, how often? I mean, you've been serving Murray Cod for a long time, Stefano. Why is it so important to your menu? Well, I have a menu that always um, attempts to serve local produce and Maricod was to me the obvious choice when I first went to Mildura 30 odd years ago. I originate from a river town and so I was very familiar with um, river freshwater fish and to me it seems a no-brainer to serve Mm -hmm. Maricod at the time, as well as perch, of course, and yabbies and and occasionally carp. Stefano, how widespread would Maricod be on menus around Victoria at, at restaurants and in, in pubs? How many how many establishments would have them nowadays? Well, I can't count them, but there would be many because many some years ago, perhaps now my memory betrays me, but perhaps some twenty odd years ago, the legal fishing of Maricod by professional fishermen was abolished. Their their licence were purchased back by the government. And at that point, um, you can only source uh, farm fish from aquaculture. Uh, I remember some government people coming to me and asking if, in my opinion, there was a future. And I said, most definitely, because I Mm. (laughs) desperately needed cod on my menu again. You do realise that if you serve maricot in a restaurant, even though you fished it yourself, you're under the risk of losing your licence. Um, so that's how stringent the law around the protection of cod to prevent the commercialisation of wild cod or, or, other, or other fish. So initially, aquaculture delivered very small fish, which was plate size, and so suitable for some cuisines, but... You know, I always prefer fish of some size. And now, finally, 20-odd years later, you can get maricod of very significant um, volume. Yeah, like we've, as we're kilos. learning, they're huge. So, Stefano, how would you serve it? How is it best eaten? And when I see, uh, it, I see it, it almost looks like a, a tuna steak. So how do you serve it? 
Well, the important thing about cod and other freshwater fish is to remove the fat because it's the fat that provides that kind of bitterness, for lack of a better word, that is unpalatable. So I personally, I and I think other chefs as well, very accurate, accurately remove the fat, which is not palatable to us, but obviously was the, a huge source of protein for the for the indigenous people along waterways. Um, and then it, it's a very versatile fish because you can go Asian with it or you can simply bake it with a little bit of flour. You can pan fry it with a bit of white wine. You know, traditional ways, it's, uh, it, you can serve it, as I often do, with a beef reduction. Oh. It's a bit old-fashioned. So it's quite, a it's quite a fleshy, meaty fish then. It's, it's when it's of a certain size... And in my experience, I've found that around the two and a half to three kilos, up to 13, 14 kilos, you get the best eating flesh. Above above 15 kilos, I I think there is too much fat and you lose a lot of, of, of volume, as it were. And you need a very big kitchen to uh, pop some of the ones that we're hearing uh, to be able to, to, be able to look, section it up, Stefano. When I was young and I starting the business and the Maricord was available aplenty from, as I said, professional fishermen. We used to get monsters and then I realised slowly that it was a, it was similar to a homicide. Um, I started to become really guilty about yeah. taking the big old fellas out of the river because you just want your imagination to, to, to imagine it, uh, that, that they're there. Imagine if you if you think of a river bereft of um, big, big, big fish. Yeah. So I started to get guilty about it and <laughs> refused to, um, to to welcome them to my kitchen. Well, you've always been so passionate about local produce and that's what we love about you. Stefano Depieri, thank you so much for joining Cheers. us. Local cook and icon, of course, from Mildura. Some of the stories, right, that are coming out about Murray Cod, I don't know if they're urban myths, but I'm loving them. Ross is in Seymour and he says, we were out on the Goulburn chasing some game and we were just cruising along. A swallow was in front of the boat picking up an insect and having a drink. When out of the water erupted a big Murray Cod, it just missed the bird, but amazing to see. And yes, two of us saw it happen. <laughs> so there is proof that it's real. Kevin's in Mornington. Morning, Kevin. Oh, good morning. An old uh, employee of the Fisheries and Wildlife Department. One morning we got a phone call from the health inspector at the Footscray uh, Fish Market. He said, I've just seized a Murray Cod during the close season. Could somebody pick it up? And he said, would you bring a utility or a station wagon? <laughs> we said, what is it big? He said, it's pretty big. So when we got it back to the department, we weighed it. It was 130 pounds. And it's been gilded and gutted. We estimate the live weight. What's pounds in kilos? What what, what would 130 pounds be in kilos? I don't know, love. I'm 90 Mm. years old. I'm still working on pounds. About 60. About 60. Uh, Yes, but it was the biggest cod we'd ever had in the department. And uh, it was a really big, but about one point, I think it would have been about, in the modern parlance, about 1.5 metres, I think, in length. We're starting to see where some of the stories, right, Ed, of yeah. big fish being caught. But I feel like with the Murray cod, they might be true, these stories. Oh, yeah. The, the, I mean, I don't doubt that that one's true. And what I don't doubt is that, that he got a, they got a call about that one. But how many others got through at that time, you know? 
Yeah. Cherry says, I have trouble with eating a fish that has lived a long time. Old man fish deserves to swim to the end of his days. Good on you, Stefano. I just heard this interview. That's my sentiment exactly. Well, Shay Bloom is based in Koryong, is a local recreational fisher and has been involved in cod restocking efforts as well. Shay, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and how many fish you've restocked. Good morning, Rochelle and Ed, just. Um, so... We are up in the Upper Murray in Corriong. Um, so what we've been doing post-bushfires is we... I called out for help um, just after the first first flood event that we had up here. We had a lot of um, cod go belly up. So I got on the phone to the VFA, to the ATF, to Ausfish, to anyone that had listened to me really and said, you know, we need help. We need help on the ground now. Um, so through that, um, the VFA have been... They've pledged a priority area up here um, in the Upper Murray. So we were able to get 10,000 cod um, stocked in the Kajawar and Corion Creek post-bushfires. So since that effort, we've actually reintroduced Macquarie Perch into the Kajawar Creek. Mm -hmm. So we've actually stopped stocking cod into the Kajawar Creek um, and put those extra 10,000 fish back into the Corion Creek as opposed to the Kajiwa, just to give those Macquarie perch probably the best chance of survival in there. But since that, we've actually found, um, since doing our fish surveys up here with the Arthur Isla Institute, that there's actually self-sustaining populations. So there's self-spawned um, Murray cod in those bushfire-affected waters, which is awesome. Mm. Yeah, we're not intervening and, and that Mother Nature's really doing a thing up here. Um, Shay, I'm intrigued by the stocking. It sounds as though you 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 need to stock fish, so you go down to the the, the fish ATM and get out ten thousand <laughs> fish. It sounds like they're on they're, they're, they're sitting there ready to go. I mean, what what's the process that that actually that enables you to get that many fish at one time? So the um, the Victorian Fisheries Authority do have um, different steering committees, and and they they hear from um, local anglers um, in the areas to sort of. Say, you know, what, what fish do we need in the area? Um, they obviously have a certain amount of fish that they can stock um, through Victoria, so they don't have an endless supply, unfortunately. But um, the VFA have done an amazing job yeah. in Victoria to stock as many cod as Well, that's as great. Can. I mean, and we just heard from the VFA as well. Shay, thank you. I have learnt so much. I mean, the messages are coming in saying, thank you for this. This is so interesting and informative. And I couldn't agree more. Not only have I learned about fish hotels, Ed, but also I think what will stay with me is the old man analogy and how long and how big these fish are and how long they live. We touched on carp a little bit. If people want to listen to that, I've actually done conversation hours on carp and on eating all different types of species and native species as well. So go to the ABC Listen Up. The conversation hour, if you don't know, is also a podcast. So go to the ABC Listen Up, subscribe, download the conversation hour. And we've done shows on all sorts of fishing as well as cod as well. But yeah, the old man analogy. Whoever would have thought all those years of, of reading the fishing column would give you just so much back knowledge today, Ed. <laughs> the old man. The old man of the Murray. The old man of the Murray.